Привет, and welcome to Zakhrdanyu Ukrainsi, UK Life Abroad. I'm joined by my co-host Yustan. Today we'll be interviewing Yulian Knesh and his film festival Pickles, Bombs and Borscht. So Yulian, can you tell us a little bit about Sydney Underground Film Festival and its origins and how the Ukrainian short film program has become a part of that festival? It started in 2019, is that correct? Well, the, the Sydney Underground Film Festival is, is now in its 14th, 14th year. So um, it's actually become quite a well-established annual event in the, in the Sydney art scene. Um, and as far as New South Wales events, are concerned it's become bigger and bigger each year and and the last few years people have traveled from melbourne and from brisbane and even further just to uh gorge on four days of alternative (laughs) alternative films and in fact a group from melbourne that have been coming to the festival five years straight a a large group of about a dozen friends that uh that come up but um the festival itself is it's a slightly alternative festival and it tries to although it's very very accessible it, it tries to have at least a few films that you know really do hold up the name underground it's a festival that's dedicated to to nurturing a slightly alternative film culture and and is is really focused on independent filmmaking and and experimental films and it really seeks to support filmmakers that operate outside of established industry norms and by by doing that it provides a platform for exhibition and discussion and and it's a rich place of of ideas uh a lot of the films that are shown are made with very very small budgets or with with very little res- with very little resources and slowly uh, over the years the the festival has gained an international rep- reputation and and been recognized as um as a kind of hotbed of of quality quality in, and independent exhibition. Um, what has motivated you, you to help organise the Sydney Underground Film Festival? The program, the Ukrainian program came about uh, because I became friends with the, the festival directors, uh, Stefan and Catherine, and they were very interested in the in the progress of the research and the writing that I was doing for, uh, for my own uh, documentary project. And, and as I was researching production in Ukraine, the, the people that I was talking to, the methods of production, what was happening there industry-wise, what was happening there independently after my done, uh, I was getting very, very excited about. So I was just relating these, these stories to, you know, to, to my filmmaking friends um, as I was discovering it. While, while researching for a completely different agenda. And um, I think it was just thrashing out ideas. Then we sort of came up with the, with the concept of there's something very exciting and very raw and passionate happening in the Ukrainian film industry, and, and it needs to be seen here. So they turned around and off, offered to me that if we could, you know, for a first time round especially, if we could cover the costs of, of mounting an exhibition of doing a session then uh they would they would be willing to try it out on, on their on their audience so so last year it was held at the the factory theater which is annually the home of sydney underground film festival we had the small i think it was the second smallest cinema out of <laughs> four, four spaces was given to given to us and um kind of as we were putting together last year's program we thought well if if 20 people turn up we'll call it a success it turned out that every ticket was sold and we had uh, we had a full house we had a full house <laughs> and uh and we went 
weren't expecting that. Definitely sounds like an underground theatre festival. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was wonderful because with last year's program in the theatre, we had fantastic support from, from the Ukrainian community. And I think that was probably about a quarter of the audience. And then we had a lot of... Um, I was told by other Ukrainians there that there were a lot of uh, new arrivals as well. So that would have been about another quarter of the total total audience of Ukrainian people that wouldn't normally interact or hadn't previously interacted with the established Ukrainian community here. So they must have just come across the social media and, and the little bit of advertising that we did. And then another segment of the audience was the established festival audience, and they wanted to see something uh, novel and something that was a little bit different to to what the festival itself had presented in the years before. And then the festival directors told me the the last quarter of the audience was people that uh, had no idea about Ukraine and had never been to the festival before either. So they were being they were being exposed to something completely new. Uh, on behalf of all of us, you know, I think we'd like to congratulate you. I think it's been a great initiative, especially last year, and um, I'm, I'm very confident this year will be received um, even more positively than last. And, and obviously uh, the COVID situation is probably going to give us an opportunity to have a bit more exposure for those people who you know, don't have the necessarily um, the inclination to go out uh, to a particular festival, but they can now view it in their homes, which is, uh, I guess, a, a blessing that's come from this situation. But um, and I did notice, as you mentioned, your, uh, the work that you're doing on uh, a long-standing project, and I would like to cover that with you a little bit later. But I just wanted to turn just a little bit to Ukrainian cinema in general. And I think it's fair to say that for a long time, Ukrainian cinema has seemed a little bit locked in the past, and it was relatively traditional in the style and format, largely kind of, uh, I guess, the narrative structure was driven by sort of traditional norms. Um, but more recently, it seems almost the opposite is true. And I want to know if you had any thoughts about how and why this has changed and um, and why it continues to evolve quite rapidly as well. Look, my done was the precipitative uh, event. That was definitely a, a huge shift. And then uh, with Russia's invasion and the war, the, the Ukrainian film industry actually ground to a halt. It was probably about a year and a half where very, very little was made at all. And, and a lot of the feature films that were in production that, that I was following at this stage, they, they basically just had to put down all of their, their equipment. There, there wasn't any money available. Uh, and, of course, everyone's efforts was di directed to supporting the soldiers at the, at the front, front lines. And you know, I think the country was also mobilised in, in, in the fight and, and also quite in, in shock. Previously to that, to that, there'd been, I, I guess, attempts at a Ukrainian cinema um, or, or a, a sort of a style or a, a sense of a Ukrainian national cinema through through the 90s, but it, but it was never really prioritised. Uh, there wasn't a lot of government funding uh, available, so it was it was a small handful of filmmakers that were able to to get some works done, and and slowly in that time there were there were a, a few good Ukrainian films made, but it was, I'd say that they were few and far between. A lot of the industry, a lot of the established industry was, it was cheaper to make films in Ukraine than it was in Russia. So there was a lot of Russian production in Ukraine made for the Russian market. And there was also a lot of Russian language also for, I mean, as you know, the TV landscape in Ukraine was dominated by Russian media for, for a long time and by Russian language pro programming. 
So a lot of Ukrainian film production was going in that direction because that's what was being that's what what was being funded. Uh, after after Maidan and, and the beginning of the war, uh, then slowly there was I mean there was a number of independent filmmakers that would just do things cheaply, would just pick up cameras and, and equipment, borrow it where they could, or hire it very 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 cheaply. Their friends in the industry would support it, support each other, and they would go to the front lines and, and shoot documentaries. Uh, and then slowly there was a bit more. Uh, both private funding and, and government funding that came on online and Ukrainian language was prioritised, I guess, with the whole new patriotic embrace and, and Ukraine searching for its identity, stories that were essentially Ukrainian in character and, and uniquely Ukrainian suddenly became vitally important. And, and I guess this has become the kind of the new wave of Ukrainian filmmaking since 2014, 2015, 2016. And um, the, the short films that we're presenting have come out of that spirit as well. Um, about half of the films in the program this year, as well as last year, have come from an organisation, Kino KinoUA.org. And they, for three years in a row, they ran a program uh, and a campaign called Devesu uh, Kriinske, Watch Ukrainian. And that was put together specifically to encourage both established and emerging filmmakers to seek relevant stories that were essentially and, and uniquely Ukrainian. Uh, and look, on that note, could you maybe talk us through some of the films you will be featuring at this year's Pickles, Bombs and Boshed? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a wide variety of films. We tried to. I, I think. I think most of them are fairly, fairly accessible. You know, we wanted this to be accessible to a wider, wider audience. Uh, so we didn't go too far out into experimental filmmaking, and you know, into the into the weird and wacky side of it. The, the acquired um, taste side of it. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was still. I, I was still directed that the films would have to fit with the ethos of the of the festival of independent filmmaking. Uh, films that may sort of buck the status quo. Films that raise questions. Um, and and films that may address address issues. But as I said, there's a wide mixture of genre, of genres. A um, couple of comedies in there. Heartbreaker has uh, a very little, very little di dialogue, but um, uh, it's about a guy falling in love with the uh, with the girl at the checkout in the in the supermarket. He quite literally sends his heart down the conveyor belts to the checkout. <laughs> so I'll leave that one out there. You'll have to watch it to get the rest. <laughs> uh, uh, Once upon a time in Odessa has been called a, um, a unique Ukrainian Western, and uh, that's about an assassination attempt on a high-ranking official uh, in the centre of, of Odessa. Now, this is, this is the kind of film that you can watch. It's an action, it's an action comedy. There's, um, there's guns going off everywhere. There's cars screeching down, down the street. It's, um, it's got a high, high pace. All the tension of a Jason Bourne or a James Bond or a James Bond film with street shootouts and and, and explosions, but it's also got real sharp political uh, undertones to it. Um, so those informed about Ukraine will will be able to read into into it as well. And and having said that, I think it was a natural fit for for Ukrainian film because there's a political undertone to 
uh, you know, to any film, if you call it a Ukrainian film, it, it's that's a statement in statement in it in itself. So in, in that way, I think that it's a good fit with this with this Sydney Underground Film Festival. A lot of the films seem to have a common theme of about either war or some tragedy happening within the film. Like you mentioned, Once Upon a Time in Odessa. By the sounds of the titles and the description, it sounds like they have a more serious undertone as well. Is there um, a connection that made you pick these types of films? There wasn't a conscious co- connection. Look, I selected from well over well over sixty films, you know, all to, all together. Throughout all of those, I mean, of course, the war or dealing with dealing with issues as a result of the war back in the back in the cities and how it's affected every everyday life. That's a theme that that runs through it. So it's the, the filmmakers are dealing with the contemporary issues that pe- that people are living living with, and I think also some of it too is just what young young filmmakers would would address so you know issues of issues of growing up of coming to terms with life and death of of love and hurt and you know finding one's place in in the world yeah with the title of the film festival pickles bombs and barish is there any sort of background as to why you picked this name because it seems unconventional to have bombs and barish together young can be unconventional i'm sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well well last year's program we titled independence rockets and bosch so we we wanted to reference the war of course we wanted to celebrate ukraine's in- independence and Bosch just makes the whole idea tasty. <laughs> um, so, so this year we wanted to sort of, you know, continue that kind of that kind of idea. And I guess, you know, coming back to what you said about the themes of the films, you know, you could say Ukraine is still in quite a pickle. And in all of the films, the the characters are dealing with with their own pickles, one way or another. So I didn't think about that the first time when I had pickles. I just thought, oh, it might be about the food, like Bosch. But <laughs> and now I see the connection. Yeah, and that's a nice tradition. And hopefully, I'm, I, for one, are looking forward to salad tanks and Bosch for next year. So. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, look, at, at this stage as well, I mean, I think what's been really amazing about this process and, and the fact that you have uh, brought this uh, festivals to become part of the larger Sydney Underground Festival, I think, is to credit to you is, is a really good thing because it exposes Ukrainian films not only to our Ukrainian community in the diaspora, but also to the wider Australian film community and uh, budding film students and filmmakers. Um, and so I guess I wanted to just get your feedback on what the reception has been from that community or this local Sydney community around how these Ukrainian films, um, you know, I guess, fit into the wider alternative and experimental film landscape and, and culture? And also, do you see any common style in the Ukrainian films that maybe set them apart from some of the other things that are happening uh, or other films that are being screened in the Underground Festival this year? Yeah, the, the feedback that we got from last year from from the festival audience and, and sort of from non-Ukrainians was they were exposed to a world that they knew, knew nothing nothing about. And and they were quite awed by that. So both in the stories, the the issues presented, and in the presentation it, itself, uh, they they did pick up on a particular style or a tone of filmmaking that is quite different to to what is made in in in, in Australia. 
people were enthused and they wanted to see more. They wanted to to learn learn more. For a lot of people, you know, that was their their very first introduction to to Ukrainian film. So last year, for example, like the documentary about the fall of Lenin, where you know after Maidan, all of the statue, a lot of the statues of of Lenin were torn down all around the country. So Ukraine had the greatest concentration per square kilometer of Lenin statues, you know, more than anywhere else in 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 the world. And of course, the you know it showed archival footage of old church bells being taken and melted down to make a lot of these statues. Um, so that that historical aspect fascinated people, and I guess the the population stepping through that and now forging its forging its own identity rather than was than was forced upon it by Russia and by communism. Um, that was a real eye eye opener for many people. So that's uh, I guess that kind of exposure and that in introduction and uh, encouragement to learn more about Ukraine. I, I'm hoping that that this program can can continue to do that. Yeah, uh, again, I think that's a great, great um, outcome and that's the best we could hope for in obviously sharing these films and, and sharing obviously not only the films themselves, the filmmakers, what they do, but also the subject matter, which, as you've alluded to, really does cover a whole whole host of different areas of Ukraine's history, um, including obviously current uh, issues that are happening uh, in the war. Um, yeah. Well, one of the... One of the delightful things about last year's program as well that hopefully this year's will will continue and and build upon too was it has led to discussions with other cultural institutions and also with with other festivals. Um, so it's it's made them take notice of of Ukrainian film. So for example, we've just started a very loose discussion with uh, with Sydney Film Festival. So. You know, we hope over time that a lot of these larger, larger festivals uh, will show some Ukrainian fe feature films. You know, it's certainly got the idea noticed and, and we're actively p pursuing those, those con conversations. So I'm going to step away in a second and, and take the persona of someone perhaps who's not your favourite uh, attendee, but, and it's great to have any attendance. But if I was to only be able to watch one of the films um, in this festival that you've selected as, as part of... Uh, the Ukraine component, which one would you recommend and why? Okay. Um, look, that's a really difficult question. I don't even have a favourite myself because I think there's there's a whole range of good quality filmmaking there. there. But, um, but look, I, I'm actually really proud that uh, we managed to get an Australian-Ukrainian included this year. Uh, so St Stefan Bugren with his uh, documentary War, War Mothers. Stefan received some support from the community here and put in a hell of a lot of hard work, blood, sweat and tears and, um, <laughs> and, and made a lot of sacrifices over a long period of time. And he got to Ukraine. Uh, he was able to produce the film, the film there. And look, it's a really, it's really a really inspiring story that, you know, that's, that's screened at Toronto and, and in Europe and at some festivals all, all around the world and in in Melbourne, so I'm really, you know, I'm really proud that we can support the creative efforts of our own community as well. And speaking on that, I know from our discussions, um, some people, maybe our listeners don't know, but I did start a career in film and, and never yes. quite, quite far to the same uh, extent as, as yourself or Stefan have. But um, I know that every Ukrainian who goes into filmmaking always has their dream project around Ukraine, whether it's a feature, whether it's a documentary. 
whether it's uh, something else. But I, I know that there's something you've been working on. There's a long-standing love project, and I thought it might just be worth having maybe just one or two minutes to explore that, so people are aware of the work that you're doing. Uh, thanks, thanks, Justin. Yeah, look, with um, predominantly through my friendship with with Vic, Victor Michalo, and and also what I saw during my done and then where, when the war started was uh, a small handful of traditional bandurists that were playing the Starosvitska bandura and um, were playing the, the really old, authentic songs of, of the Kobzari. And um, some of these musicians went to the front lines and performed for the, for the soldiers. What I saw in a couple of the videos was these, you know, hardened frontline soldiers that through the, through the Dume and the Psalme and, um, you know, the, the traditional 16th and 17th century songs, they, they were being given a spiritual transmission and they were coming to a deeper understanding of what they were fighting for, of reclaiming Ukraine's, Ukraine's culture, reclaiming Ukraine's history. And then through the songs that these Bandurists were playing to them, they realized that they were in a continuation of the Cossacks. And that was deeply meaningful for the soldiers. Uh, so that got, that got me researching and that really sparked my interest. Uh, so I started looking a lot more deeply into the tradition of, of the Kobzari. And then I, I came across musicians like uh, Yuri Fedinsky, who uh, was a Ukrainian from, from New York and gave up his his American life and moved to Ukraine. Lives in lives in Poltava on a farm. Lives like they did in the 18th century and hand makes his own instruments by hand with traditional tools. And he's developed a, a festival there that now happens happens every year. And Kobzari from all over Ukraine come to visit. And of course Taras Kompanichenko, who has done enormous work to popularise uh, Ukrainian folklore and has really researched the history to come up with a, a style that's rooted in 16th and 17th century traditional Ukrainian music and played on period period in instruments in the way that it would have then. Yeah. These are extraordinary in, in, individuals that are so devoted to to Ukraine and to put this this movement of reclaiming the authentic folklore and to put that next to the um, uh, the, the history of, of the Kobzari and and where that's come from uh, to me it looked like a fascinating doc documentary with uh, with a with a, a huge amount of creative potential. So the first step has been researching the history, writing the script, and it's been setting up the contacts in 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 Ukraine. And um, very soon, the next stage of of fundraising to take the project to the to the next step, which is obviously no doubt slightly more complicated by COVID for at least at least a little bit of time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, look, I, I salute you to, to doing a, a project of that kind of scope and depth. And I think the power of music and the power of our you know, very, very much Ukrainian traditional style of music um, and how it can um, rally uh, and hearts and minds together is, is, a, is a beautiful thing to cover and capture. So thank you, Jan, for sharing uh, your project with us. And we look forward to hopefully seeing it sometime soon. Uh, I think everyone... Uh, can appreciate the power of Ukrainian music and the bandura and how those can help overcome and, and bring people together. So thank you for that. And again, I'd like to thank you for the work you've been doing to bring uh, you know, short Ukrainian films to Australia and to the Australian audiences. And we really will look forward to spending some time watching these films. Thank you, Julian, for your deep dive into your project. 
Lastly, but I think most importantly, how can people buy tickets for Pickles, Bombs and Borscht? Uh, so t- tickets are only $10, $10 each. Now, people can go directly to the, uh, to the screening platform, to the website, which is watch, W-A-T-C-H dot eventive, E-V-E-N-T-I-V-E dot org slash SUFF, which is S-U-F-F. 2020 and from there uh they'll see on the um on the main menu page uh they can click through to special events and they'll see pickles pickles bombs and and bosch and if they follow follow the prompts they'll be able to to get the ticket uh there's now eight days left of the festival so you can watch the films anytime there uh but once you start to watch the films you've got 48 hours to um to to complete the viewing um, alternatively, if you just put in pickles, bombs, and Bosch into uh, in, into the search engine, it'll it'll come up. So, look, the the, the wonderful thing about this initiative has uh, has been the way a, as a community, the Ukrainian community has been able to partner with uh, with an established institution like the Sydney Underground Film Festival, and the support from the Ukrainian community for this has been fantastic. So. Look, I'd like really like to thank the Australian Federation of Ukrainian Organisations, uh, the Ukrainian Studies Foundation in Australia, uh, SUM and PLUST, the youth organisations, the Ukrainian Women's Association of Australia, and the Ukrainian Council of New South Wales, and uh, we've also got Dorosh Heritage Tours. Andre uh, Dorosh visited Australia uh, a little while ago, and uh, Nishan Associates, accountants to to the Ukrainian community. And uh, and of course the Ukrainian embassy in in Australia who have been supportive in in every and any way that they can. So again, that is Pickles, Bombs, and Bosch short films from Ukraine as part of the 14th annual Sydney Underground Film Festival. Up to the 20th of September, you can still watch these films online at eventive.org. Thanks very much. In the news this week, Ukraine's Navy and Marines have received a new armoured boat, the Kostopil, named in honour of the town in Rivinska Oblast where Marine hero Oleksiy Kondrachuk was born. Kondrachuk was killed on March 17, 2017, whilst on a combat mission near the city of Mariupol in eastern Ukraine. Last week on September 3rd, Ukrainian aerospace company Pivdenmash, also known as Yuzhmash, in cooperation with the European Space Agency, launched the Vega launch platform. Pivdenmash's fourth stage engine allows the Vega rocket to release multiple satellites at various orbits. On September 8th, Ukraine recognized eSports as an official sporting discipline. This comes shortly after the privatization of the Nipro Hotel, which plans to become the world's first eSports hotel with dedicated training zones, player lounges and viewing areas for matches. September 7th is Ukrainian Canadian Heritage Day. With over 1.3 million Ukrainian Canadians, it is the second largest Ukrainian diaspora after Russia. When polled during the 2019 Canadian federal election, all major parties supported the idea of designating September as Ukrainian Canadian Heritage Month. Let us know which stories you would like to hear by reaching out to us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Join us next week for more UK Life Abroad content.